You know what I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. Welcome back, everybody. It's a chilly afternoon in Salt Lake City, and we are talking to somebody on the other side of the country. Um, his name is Tucker Brennan. Did I get that right? You got it right. How are you today, Tucker? I'm doing great. I'm great. It's Friday. Everything is good. Looking forward to the weekend and looking forward to spending some time trying to get the store together. Is it chilly there as well? or? Yeah, it's starting to get there. It's Today's a little bit warmer. Uh, but it's been, it, fall has definitely arrived in the Northeast, for sure. Yeah. Well, to give some background on Tucker, he is in Jersey, also home of Kevin Smith. And in the Kevin Smith movies, there was a video store next door to the Quick Stop. It's been closed for some time, um, and Tucker is going to open it back up as a boutique uh, video store. Tell us a little bit of how that came about. Okay, so how it came about is a very complicated and long origin story. Um, but the Cliff Notes version of it was about five or six years ago now. I started um, an account on the now defunct platform Vine. And I started taking old video clips, old VHS clips, and posting them online. And some, for some reason, I guess it caught on and I, I got a really large following, um, which led me down the road of wanting to open a video store because there's obviously some appetite for kind of VHS culture and for the nostalgia that's associated with it. And when I was thinking about where I wanted to open a video store, it dawned on me that the RST video from Clerks was closed for the last 20 years. And nobody ever went in there and did anything else with it. So it's pretty much a time capsule from, I think it was 2001 when they closed down. Um, so the store is exactly the same way that it was in the movie. Uh, and we're basically going to go in and clean it up and put some tapes back on the shelves and, and open it up again with some more modern twists as well. So when you open that door that first time to go look around, what was that like? Was is everything on the shelves and everything? It was kind of picked over. I, I think they, they had about, I don't know, a few hundred videos still on the shelves. They put most of the videos in boxes in the, ne the room next door. Um, and I had gone in there because at the time I wanted to distribute these videos, um, the, the original RST videos, through my Instagram channel. Because by that point, Vine was dead. Um, so I put a post up on my Instagram story saying, Hey, if anybody wants a video from RST, let me know and send 10 bucks to this PayPal account or five bucks, or I don't even remember what it was. It was cheap. Um, and the next morning after I posted that story, I had $900 in my PayPal account wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what did I get myself into? Because then I needed to untangle it and figure out who these tapes need to go out to and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was pretty, uh, it was pretty crazy, but it, it showed me that there was an appetite for kind of the Kevin Smith world crossing over with my VHS stuff that I did. Uh, growing up, did you ever work at a video store? I did when I was 18, when it was my senior year in high school, I worked at a video store called Moondogs Video in Seabright, New Jersey. And it was a friend of my father that owned the video store. 
and it was the best job. I, I mean, maybe aside from my current job, the best job I've ever had in my life. I loved it because I got to sit there and watch movies. I got to talk to people about what they were interested in and try to guide them towards something. And often they would come back and say like, thank you for telling me about that movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was just, a, it was an awesome job for somebody that's 18 and a senior in high school to be able to go in the evenings and sit there and watch movies all night long. Yeah. I worked at Blockbuster and a Hollywood video in my 20s. Oh, wow. And it's probably my second favorite job behind when I worked at a music store. Because mm. music store, I, I learned so much about music. There were a couple of people there that just knew everything inside and out. So it was, but yeah, the video store is lots of fun. And that's, that's where I really got interested in um, the Kevin Smith stuff. Cause yeah. um, I didn't, I didn't know about clerks initially, but our, our hippie neighbors uh, says, you got to check this out. So I watched it on VHS and it's been, I've been a fan ever since. <laughs> I, I went to the Phantom screening last week for the, oh, did for you? the movie. Did, did you go to that or did you uh, go, just go to the, the first road show there in Jersey? I went to the first road show in Asbury Park. Um, that's the day that I ran into Kevin and talked with him a little bit about the store opening, which was really surreal uh, because I had met him before, but it was back in 1998 something along those lines when he first opened up the uh, comic book store in Red Bank and he would work there occasionally. So I had met him back then, but you know, meeting him again today after having listened to his podcasts for years and watching every single movie was very surreal. And he was so, so cool, uh, both about the store and about, you know, I, I, at one point he had walked away and came back and uh, when he came back, I was like, I, I really hate to be a fanboy, but can I get a picture with you? And he was like, hey, one picture. Oh, no, he didn't take like four or five. And he was like, <laughs> all right, let's get one in front of the sign. Let's get one in front of the store. Oh, we got to lean up against the wall. And he was like all into it. And it was really cool because he could have just been like, no, man, get away from me. Uh, but he, he didn't take that approach at all. Um, so that was really pretty cool. And then when I went to the road show, I was standing out in front of Convention Hall in Asbury Park. And I turned around and there's Jay the same day. So I met <laughs> Kevin and Jay both the same day, both kind of randomly. Um, Kevin was a little bit less random because that was at the quick stop. But, you know, it was really uh, having followed their work for so long. It was cool that they were being so cool with their fans. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because they don't need to be that way. So that's a choice that they're making. What what did you think of the movie? I, I saw it at the Phantom Events, and it's coming here in January. What was the road show like, and what did you think of the movie? Uh, the road show, well, it's I, I really like the movie a lot. I need to give it a second watch because I that day was so crazy that my mind wasn't, like, focused on it. I need to sit down and, like, watch it very closely um, because there's so many Easter eggs and so many things that are thrown in there from the earlier movies that uh, I probably didn't even sink in for me. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And then even more excitingly, afterwards, Kevin and Jay came out and talked about the movie and about a whole bunch of other stuff. And the most exciting thing for me was when Kevin announced that they're going to be opening a podcast studio next to basically next to RST. It's two doors down from RST. 
So that's really freaking exciting news. Yes, Smodcastle's uh, back. Yep. Smodcastle, yep. New Jersey edition. It's going it's gonna be small though. So I it's more like Smod Shack, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, castle. yeah, fit the name, he has to go castle. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about that. And the roadshow was awesome. And all of the fans, like Kevin Smith fans, I've come to learn. You know, I had not really been in the community. I'd listened to all the podcasts and I, I just didn't engage in it. But his fans are hardcore and they love that stuff so much. Um, the the kind of outpouring of support that I've gotten from this thing has been really incredible to see. Uh, and it's mostly people that are just excited about being able to get back into that store again since yeah. it's been closed for so long. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you about the fans. I work for a comedy club here in Salt Lake called Wise Guys. And uh, I'm trying to think. Starting in 2015, I've got a poster right here that I designed for the club. And, uh, yeah, March of uh, 2015 was the first time he came to Wise Guys. And um, it's just grown since then. And um, I'm the microphone guy for the Q&A for, <clears throat> for him. So just seeing fans get excited. Okay, time for the next question. And, like, 20 hands go up. Right. And they're just very <laughs> passionate and I worked the merch booth booth too. And like, everybody's just like, you know, are they going to come out? Are they going to come say hi? You know, they just, they they just want to interact with them. And it's just so awesome. Now, um, let's get into you a little bit. Well, so you're, you're currently at uh, your your office right now. What, uh, I did read that you're an artist, but what, what else do you do? Oh, I do a lot. I, um, I'm a musician, I, I kind of I'm like a utility guy like in baseball. I'm a I'm a big baseball fan. I'm wearing my Yankees hat now as we speak for any audio listeners. Um, big time baseball fan. And I always think of myself in, in terms of being a musician, like a utility player in a baseball field where I kind of do a little bit of everything, kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Um, so I do that in my spare time. I do a lot of video editing. So that's where this all started. I would take and digitize uh, old VHS tapes, mostly stuff that was taped off TV, and edit those videos and post them online. Um, so that I have an account where I do that called OGVHS. Uh, so I've been doing that, like I mentioned before, for about six years now. And I really enjoy it. And more than anything, I enjoy the community aspect of it and kind of getting to know people that are interested in the same weird things that I'm interested in. Okay. I've got a whole box uh, downstairs of VHS type tapes that my dad recorded off TV. Really? From like the 80s and stuff. Ooh. One day I randomly put one in and it was a Budweiser commercial with Scott Bakula. With Scott Bakula? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a classic. That would go up on the account for sure. Yeah, I just recently was accepted. So I, I mentioned this all started with Vine, which I still to this day miss. There was something about the way that they set Vine up with six-second video clips that was just perfect. And the guy named Dom, I think it's Dom Hoffman, um, who started Vine initially and then sold it to Twitter, uh, is starting a new app that's basically Vine version 2. And it's called Byte, byte Byte.co, I believe is the website, or ByteApp.co. And... 
I've gotten into the beta for that now. And that's been my latest fixation because I'm back. It feels like being back on Vine again. And it's kind of a similar type of community. Um, and I'm really happy about that. Like Instagram's fine, but I feel like in Instagram, you're kind of out in a world by yourself yeah. where in, in Vine, it felt much more like a community and you have the ability to reshare things, I think is one of the biggest problems that Instagram has. Um, so, but I've been doing that now for about a week and I've really been enjoying that. And that's kind of my latest, you know, I get fixated on things and that's been my latest fixation. Very nice. Are you on uh, TikTok, and how how does that compare with Vine? TikTok weirds me out a little bit because I have an eight year old daughter that loves TikTok. I have a twelve year old so, son, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's it doesn't seem like the right type of forum for you know. Sometimes my stuff gets a little bit blue and a little bit adultish, not way over the top but you know there's some suggestive stuff that comes yeah. up from time to time so i always felt like tiktok was not a great fit for what i'm doing um can't put I, maybe you can now put age restrictions on things but you couldn't when i first was looking at it and then i use snapchat a little bit as well uh, i i like communicating on snapchat but in terms of the video stuff that i'm doing i'll probably do more of it um, now that bite exists but that just has to do with the way that the videos are formatted that I'm making. Yeah. Um, but up until recently I was doing all horizontal video and not vertical video because, you know, a VHS tape has a horizontal box. So I was doing everything horizontally and that works well with Instagram when you have it on a post. But now that things are all going into vertical video, I've got to start encoding differently and thinking about things differently. Gotcha. Um, who inspires you? Mm, who inspires me? Um, there's a lot of accounts. Okay, a big one. The first one I have to mention is my man, Vic Berger. Are you familiar with Vic Berger at all? I Probably if I look him up, uh, yeah. it would come to me, but he it's does, not ringing a bell. He does surrealist videos. He does like surrealist um, satire parody videos. Oh, nice. And he is an absolute genius and an incredibly, incredibly nice guy. You know, I've talked to him mostly through like direct messaging for a while. Um, and his stuff is, is incredible. Uh, he did a whole series called Baker's Buckets and he took the tele or tele evangelist, Jim Baker. And Jim Baker does this whole shtick where, you know, the rapture is coming and we need to be prepared so he sells buckets and I'm talking like 50 gallon buckets of food <laughs> and on his show, they'll like, it'll be like cheese sauce or something absolutely disgusting. And they take these giant ladles and they ladle out the cheese sauce and Vic takes these clips and he cuts them up in a way where he accentuates the awkwardness of what's happening. And it is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So he's number one on my list. Nice. Number two on my list has to be Everything is Terrible, which is an account. I think it's a collective. I don't think it's one person. I've been in contact with them as well, but it's always been a little bit mysterious. So they, they do it on purpose. Um, I was that same way with OGVHS until recently when I started doing the RST thing. But Everything is Terrible, uh, does. it's similar to what I do with OGVHS, but they were kind of the first ones to do it. And they do tours where they'll make a video for their tour 
kind of cutting up clips of other things. Um, and they find the best stuff because they're they're kind of the kings of the hill right now. So they get a lot of stuff sent to them. They dig around and they find stuff on their own. But their content is incredible. Um, and then who else inspires me? I, I think those two are the big two that come to mind. There are a lot of other people that inspire me um, just from kind of a human level. But I think from the artistic perspective, it would be those two would be the biggest influences and motivators for me to kind of continue doing what I'm doing. Whenever I see their stuff, I'm like, I got to step my game up. Um, going into that, you know, doing what you do and how, how you do it, what, what situations are most creative for you? Hmm. I get motivated. I, maybe this isn't directly answering your question, but I get motivated by the content. So if I, you know, visit somebody's house and go into their basement and get a whole bunch of really awesome tapes from like, I love stuff from like 1991 for some reason. <laughs> Things in 1991, it was all bad rap music and like ridiculous colors and everything from 1991 is way over the top. So if I get a box full of Saturday morning cartoons from 1991, I'm probably going to be spending the next three to four days digitizing and, and editing them. Nice. <laughs> so I get motivated by the quality of the stuff that I'm finding. And if I, you know, if I find an old TV show that nobody's seen in a long time, that that's what really gets me going. Cause I'm a collector. So I've got that collector gene uh, and rarity is the currency in, in that world. So um, you're opening the RST video back up. You're running an Indiegogo campaign. Tell us about the, the campaign and, you know, what kind of uh, prizes and stuff people can get. Oh, yeah. Donating. So we've been um, adding prizes to it as we go. The one that I'm personally most excited. Well, let me take a step back and talk about the campaign first. So we're trying to raise our total is thirty five thousand um, dollars, which may seem like a lot. But when you're starting a store up, you know, I've done the back of the napkin math on how much it would cost to totally fill it up with videos. So we'd have to pay for videotapes. Uh, we have to pay for things like the clamshell boxes that they don't have them at the store anymore. So I've got to buy those things. We've got to get a counter because the counter is gone. We've got to paint. We have to redo the floor. There's a lot that's going into this. And really the, the Indiegogo campaign, we're doing this one way or another. Uh, that's a question that's come up to me a number of times. And uh, so it's happening. It's just a matter of how quickly we can accelerate it. Uh, because at this point, the owners of the, sh of the shop have done pretty much everything they need to do to get the building compliant. And now I've got to go in and start to do my half of the job now. Um, so we're starting on Monday to start working on painting, which is going to be a big task. And then after that, then we've got to do all the inventory for all the videos, get them in an inventory management system and get everything kind of set up so that we can get in and, and start working um, on, on actually renting stuff out to people. And then in addition to that, we're going to be selling stuff through an online store. Uh, we have a licensing agreement with the family that owns RST because they still own it. We're just basically renting it from them. We have a licensing agreement with them to make things like t-shirts. Like I just got mine in the mail. Very nice. See this? So I've got my RST shirt. Um, Very nice. 
So we're going to be doing, and these are all available through the Indiegogo campaign as well. Um, we're doing t-shirts. We're doing um, some stuff that actually came from the movie. So the thing that I was getting at before that I was most excited about was the sweatshirt that Rick Darris wears in the movie. Uh, or Ernie O'Donnell played Rick Darris. Yeah. And I've gotten to know him a little bit throughout this thing. Um, one of the weird side effects of this is I've been in touch with maybe 70% of the cast of Clerks now uh, because of this project. Oh, nice. Including Kevin and Jay, but more so um, Marilyn, who played Veronica, and Ernie O'Donnell, and Scott Schiaffo, who played uh, the Chulies Gum guy. I I've gotten to know all these people. And Ernie, uh, who played Rick Darris, owns the sweatshirt that he was wearing. It says the sweat box on it. <laughs> and then it says something like pumping it hard in the box at the bottom. Oh my God. <laughs> and we're, we're giving those shirts, well, not giving them away, but as, as part of the Indiegogo campaign, we have those sweatshirts available. And that would be, you know, if I were supporting my own Indiegogo campaign, which I'm doing, obviously, obviously. <laughs> but if I were a backer, that would be the one I would go for because I think it's really friggin' cool to have that shirt that he wore in the movie. And not only is it his design, but he, when I went to him and I asked him, hey, can I license this from you and print them? He said, no, 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 I'm printing them. So he's actually having them printed himself, Rick Darris and, or Ernie, and then he's giving them to us for the, the Indiegogo. So kind of a consignment type thing. Yeah, and then we'll sell them in the store, too, after after we open. So I'm trying to get creative because, obviously, I don't want to do anything stepping on Miramax toes. They have, they're have they a lot more lawyers than I do, um, so that's a big thing. And also, I don't, from the relationship perspective, want to do anything um, that gets in, in Kevin Smith's way because he does have a shop in Red Bank, which is about 15 minutes away from us. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not going to be making clerks merchandise, for instance, because he sells that all already. So anybody that wants stuff like that, I want to send them over to the other store and, and make sure that he he gets compensated for it. And hopefully, I mean, I'm hoping that they'll have some kind of little shop in the Smod Castle, um, so that they can sell stuff there too. But we'll see. So everything that will be, all the merchandise that we'll be selling will either be RST or stuff that was specifically made for us uh, that's not something that Kevin's already done. Okay. And, and you could get creative with that. Like the, the smaller details of the movie, you can make all, all, all sorts of stuff. I don't want to show my hand too much, <laughs> but I can say that I'm working with an artist who has close relationships with all those guys as well. And we're going to be doing a limited edition run of shirts and prints. Um, and we're also going to be doing some signings in the store with some of like the bit players from the movie. So not, you know, not necessarily Brian O'Halloran, um, but, or Jay or Kevin, but some of the, the smaller parts. And we're coming up with, I think, very creative um, merchandise and things for them to sign. Like one example I'll give you is I've already been looking at um, places that I can get packaging printed for gum so that we can make Chuli's gum so that Scott can sign it. Oh, nice. Uh, because I think, I just think that that would be really fun. And, and especially with the Kevin Smith fans, um, that's something that they would want to, to have. So if we get him to sign some gum that we could then send out, 
I think that would really be pretty popular. Oh, yeah, so we're going to do signings and appearances and all that that sort of thing too. It's really exciting. It's going to be fun. Well, that, that's all the initial questions I had. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share? No, I don't think so. I, I want to uh, thank you for having me on. This has been fun. Um, I'm just really looking forward to getting things started. It's been a little bit of a slow start for us just due to issues with some contractors that we were dealing with. Um, but it's allowed me to think more about what we're going to do. And I feel like I have a much better idea of how this all plays out than I did before. Uh, but again, anybody that's listening that's contributed, I want to thank you. Um, it's We already have 35 backers, 35 separate backers that have backed this project. And going into it, I didn't know if we would have any. So it's been really um, humbling. And it's been really incredible to see the response that, that's come from the fans. So I wanted to thank anybody that's been involved up until this point. Um, now for our bonus bonus round, our bonus questions. What, Sweet. What does creativity mean to you? Um, that's a tough one. So I was a philosophy major in college, so asking questions like this is a uh, <laughs> dangerous <laughs> proposition. But creativity to me, it means when you have a problem or a situation that you're addressing – Making sure that you take a step back and look at that um, from any angle that you can possibly see it from and think through what, you know, how kind of how can I look at this in a different way and change the way that that I'm perceiving the situation so that I can come up with a different way of handling it. Um, I think creativity to some degree is is innate, but also you can develop creativity. And I think for me, you know, I used to suffer with depression and things like that. And that really takes your creativity and, and uh, puts it in a place where it's just your mind can't handle it or you, you can't cope with what you're dealing with. So, you know, your creative instincts go away. But what I found was that by using that creative part of my brain and um, really working hard at making that a part of my life, uh, which I did through this stupid OGVHS thing that I do, it, it's really enriched my life and has helped me immensely in some of those struggles that I've gone through. Okay. Yeah. That, so I don't, I don't know if that's a direct answer to your question, no. but... It sounds it's great. Very creativity and being creative is incredibly important to me in my life. Me, me too. You know, because regular jobs, you could just get so you know get stuck in a rut. I I do like five different things mainly, and I, just sometimes I get burned out. So uh, this podcast yeah. and other projects are ways I, you know, wake up my brain to get going on stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. The next bonus question, who is your favorite Muppet and why? Oh, are, are we going with the extended Muppet universe, Sesame Street and all that, or just the, the core Muppet squad? Any Jim Henson created puppet. So it goes Labyrinth, it goes Dark Crystal, it goes... Oh, my God. Uh, Otter... Star Wars? Does Yoda count? Yoda does count. Might be Yoda. Um, 
I love Yoda, but not the prequels Yoda. I'm talking about the puppet. The yeah, OG it's got to be a puppet, Yoda. yeah. Uh, I, I would say Yoda won. I got to put Kermit on that list. I love Kermit the Frog. I love it. I love those Muppet movies, um, especially Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, so I, I have to put Kermit up there. I know that that's a hacky answer, but I, you know, I'm okay with that. And then number three, I was always, always a fan of Grover as a kid. I loved Grover. I don't know why. I think it was his sweetness and his kindness. And, um, but I, I was always a big fan of Grover and then probably Bert and Ernie right after that. That, that would be my Muppet squad. Uh, SNL a couple of weeks ago um, did a spoof of Joker, but it's uh, Oscar the Grouch is the character. Oh wow! So they have all, all, yeah all of these all the different characters from of Sesame Street done in that Joker kind of movie <laughs> way. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I gotta check that out. I haven't been watching enough SNL lately. I gotta do that. I usually just ca- catch clips the day after it comes out because. There's, I think there's not enough quality for their full two hours of or whatever of the show yeah. to sit through it. Mm-hmm. So, and then the last bonus question: in the movie of your life, who would play you? My younger brother. He's an actor. It would have to be him. You guys look a lot alike, or just yeah. Enough like, or the other answer. If I, if you want an actual actor, would be Oscar Isaac. Is that his name? Oscar. He was in uh, Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Yeah. He. Uh, we always joke that he is my lost middle brother, because he's right in the age between myself and my brother, and also happened to play in ska bands in the nineties and just like we both did. So we always joke that he's the lost brother that we didn't know about. Very nice. Have you seen that one he did? Um, it was a Cohen brother. I think it was Cohen brothers and he was the musician. That's one. Yeah. Inside Lewin Davis. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm not saying that lightly. I loved that movie. I loved it. And people, a lot of people hated it, but I really loved it. It's, it's probably in my top five of Cohen Brothers that I that I yeah, enjoy. Yeah, well, it's, I think Lebowski would have to be Lebowski. I mean, they made so many good movies; it's hard to say. But I I really loved Inside Llewyn Davis, especially as a musician and someone that had played a lot of Bob Dylan and all that kind of stuff. Um, it really hit home. Nice. Well, in closing, I just want to thank um, Ming Chen. Uh, for having him, having you on his podcast, because that's that's when I saw and heard about nice. all this. Uh, he, that was fun. He, he's been a past guest on this, so it, I try to keep tied to see what he's doing. So, you know, because he always got fun, interesting stuff going on in his podcast network. So big shout out to him. Big shout out to Kevin for essentially making all this possible for yeah. for all of us. Um, but where where can people catch up? Uh, uh, catch the Indiegogo and the, the future website sure. and all that. So uh, I set it all up. If you go to rstvideo.net, rstvideo.net, you can get directly to the Indiegogo campaign. Also, I have accounts on Twitter and on Instagram at um, 
RST videos, plural RST videos. And those accounts all come directly to me for now. But once we open the store, we'll have um, the employees of the store manning those as well. So any questions that come up and Facebook as well, if you search for RST video on Facebook, we've got a page there as well. So any of those big social media platforms are all in play. Um, and feel free to reach out if anybody has any questions about the Indiegogo or, or other ways that you can help, because there are other ways that don't cost money. Uh, we're we're going to need help in the store, getting things set up and getting the tapes, getting like the inventory done and all that. Um, we're going to need help if you have a lot of social media followers, if you can tweet out a link and kind of say, let people know what, what's going on. That helps us almost just as much as, you know, being a, a direct donor. Um, so I, I really appreciate what everybody's done, including you and oh, having me on here. And I look forward to having the store open. And then after the store's open, we're going to have a big grand opening party, which is going to be awesome. So I, I can't wait for that. And lots of special surprises and stuff. Uh, yeah, especially at that grand opening party. I'm working on some surprises that people will be pretty excited about. Very nice. Well, thank you, Tucker. Um, thank you. Look forward to seeing updates and um, when it opens and all that. And hopefully I can come there someday and check it out being across the country. It's hard to get that way. Um, haven't been over. I haven't been to the East Coast, uh, Northeast Coast, since I was 12 years old, and mm. I was briefly in Newark. That's my my New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Newark, the airport. I take. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I was. Yeah. It was a a scout jamboree, and we did touring of the st uh, states above Virginia. And, oh wow. Uh, we stayed the night in Newark, and then we went to New York City the next day. So, Well, we are very close to New York City. So if you ever head out that way, pop on by. And anybody, it's a public institution, so anybody's welcome to come through. Uh, and I'm looking forward to all the people that have gone to Quick Stop in the last 20 years and haven't been able to go into the store, coming back and getting a chance to go to, go to the store. That's part of the excitement for me is... Uh, giving that opportunity to all those people. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>